When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Your host here, Andrew Musgrove, and I'm joined by Newcastle Fans TV, Sam Mulliner. Sam is going to take us through our new server here at Chronicle Live, where we've got seven questions as part of the big Newcastle United forum. If you were listening to Monday's episode of the podcast, you would have heard myself and Aaron Stokes go through a couple of the questions. We've got an article up on the website where Lee Ryder also has delved into some of the questions, but we thought we'd get Sam on uh, to go through all seven. He asked to mark the questions, not the questions, rather. He asked to mark his happiness out of 100, which is a is quite a test, I think. We're going <laughs> to go in and we're going to start. First off, Sam, thank you for accepting the challenge. No, thank you for providing the challenge. It's, uh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, and if you guys watching live on Facebook want to get involved as well, you can pop your comments into the comment box and I will put the best to them to Sam. If you're on later listening to the podcast, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider and hit that link in the description to the big Newcastle United forum where we urge you just to take five minutes to uh, fill out the form and give us your thoughts on Newcastle United. Sam, the first question then. What is your happiness out of 100 with your club overall? I mean, look, comparing it to where we are 12 months ago, the scores are going to be significantly higher um, because life is great again. The new ownership's coming in October. We survived at a canter in the end. Um, There's ambition. There's, I mean, Newcastle United's being run like a football club for the first time in absolutely years so it's 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 great the stadium has a shine about it again there's no tacky red and blue marketing around the place everything looks good there's a bar in the stadium that has the correct name um again which is which is also great so it's little things like that which which do think we may have just lost Sam there this is the case of doing make a big big difference for us um Sam I think your connection is dropping out just ever so slightly so you might have to just repeat that last point you were making just after the bit where you said said there's a a bar with the right name which of course you were alluding to is is Shearer's bar um just make your point after that you that you were just making there yeah so it's just things like that that make a big difference for us it's it, these things are important. The match day experience as a whole is is incredibly important to us. The atmosphere around the stadium is immense, even for pre-season friendlies, 40 and 46,000 Friday and Saturday. Incredible. General happiness. I mean, you've... I mean, what, high 80s, early 90s, surely? I mean, there's just a couple of gaps to fill left in this transfer window just to, just to mark down a little bit, but... Yeah, I, I think... I think that's the key. I mean, a lot of these questions, I think if we ask people in a month's time, you know, the the, the ratings out of 100 may go up, they may go down. But I think 
overall happiness, the key point you're making there is you have to remember when Newcastle were this time last year. And we look, for instance, the chase for James Madison, one of the best players in the country. Newcastle have put in a, a massive bid. They've been knocked back. They've then gone back with a second bid. And someone tweeted yesterday that even if Newcastle don't get James Madison, it's just the fact that they've actually gone out and they've put a bid down for a top-class player. And that in itself is a reason to be happy because they're not being reactive. They're being proactive to the situation that needs sorting. Yeah, proactiveness is the key. Um Whatever you feel, I have slightly differing views on Madison. I'm not a huge lover of his, but does he improve the squad? Of course he does. Um, he's a vast improvement on Hamza Chaudhry, who we were trying to pinch from Leicester this time last year. So it is great. The ambition is there. The intent is there. But at the same time, they're not going to be made fools of um, with, with silly transfer fees. And and I, I, I like that. I, I, I can't help but like it. I mean, look at... Kukurea, with it's not just the the Newcastle tax that's happening. It's it's just a rich club tax that that's happening. There's no way Kukurea is worth fifty million. Mm, I've, got, I've got to say, I feel a little bit sorry for Hamza Chowdhury because um, Aaron said it yesterday. You've said it there. I've seen people writing it on on Twitter and in articles. You know the contrast in levels between Chowdhury and Madison is quite something. You know he's a decent enough player. So if you are watching Hamza, I, I do. Sorry, I apologise, but um, you know you, you're not as bad as, as people are making out. Um, we've got no. Paul J asking uh, for our opinions on Madison. You've just said there, Sam. You're not. It's it's an easy. Fan. It's 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 a. Le- no, I'm not a big fan of 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 Madison. I don't like his attitude. I don't like. Um, there's a there's a there's some personality traits there which could make you think that maybe he's not the right type of player for us. But again, on the flip side, he's a talented lad. He's he's a great age, and you know he he will improve us. But does he fit into that mold, that culture that Eddie Howe's building at Newcastle? I'm not so sure. Um, and then when you see the fee quotas. Again, you just think, well, why aren't we coughing that up for Paqueta? Why aren't we coughing that up for Diaby? Um, the, the the two key areas are winger and centre forward. Um, that that's that's where the priorities lie, and we and we saw that with the kind of blunted attack on Friday night at Atalanta. Um, whilst the defence was was superb Friday night. Um, and I and I know you can't read too much into to preseason form, but it's what we've got to go on so far. Um, it it wasn't the strongest, and a, a couple of injuries, and we're, we're we're not completely screwed like we used to be, but it's it doesn't look as rosy as it could do. So, what is your happiness level with your club overall? You said high eighties. I'm going to push you for a number. Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Right. Give me one thing overall that is, you know, playing a key part in you rating your happiness at 88. The connection. The the connection is back between the club and the fans. The club feels like it's loving you back for the first time in ages. 
and that makes a world of difference. And you can see that from the positivity around the place. Like I mentioned before the attendance for two pre-season friendlies, um, which was a great initiative. Um, obviously, if we have a poor start to the season, we'll never do it again. But it was a great initiative, in my opinion, that Friday night, Saturday afternoon, you could really make a weekend of it. But yeah, the connection between the owners, in particular, Amanda and Murdad, t- towards the supporters, um, yeah, has made the world of difference. It seems like they listen, they care, and it, it's it's being a proper football club again. Mm. To you guys watching live, do get into the comments to let me know, out of 100, your overall happiness level with the club. Just on the final point here on, on, on this, Sam, I just want to ask you, so you've, you've got 88 out of 100. Is part of that, that high rate and that high mark, because of what went before? Mike Ashley set the bar so low that if the new owners had come in and all they'd done is cleaned the windows at St. James's Park and done nothing else, it maybe still would have been high 60s, high 70s because of just there was pretty much no love and care shown towards the club, the stadium, the fans under the previous ownership. Yeah, I take your point. I take your point. Um, the bar was incredibly low. It was barely off the floor. Um, but... It, it, it's it's they've gone above and beyond and it is going to take time we are patient despite what you read in the press the fan base is patient for this um because of the absolute shell that the new owners walked into it was an absolute shell of a football club but with dan ashworth uh darren eels um there's expertise in there there's know-how there and again it 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 feels like it's a proper football club that's being run to to achieve its potential for for the first time since the John Hall. Mm. That leads us on to question number two then. And again, out of 100, how much do you approve of your club's ownership? Now, this is a national survey. Every club is going to be asked these questions you know, from Leeds down to Manchester and United. So I think with Newcastle, that question is probably going to be one of the more debatable uh, questions in in the pack because of what comes with this ownership. Um, can you can can you distinguish Sam between the criticisms of having a part Saudi ownership and what the owners have done for Newcastle United so far? Yeah, this is a tricky one, and I've I've been I've been going back and forth with this for for a long time um because it's not it's not one where you kind of got to hide behind just football and leave the other stuff out of it but I, I do think there needs to be some degree of separation between just football in matters surrounding Newcastle United and everything else do I like that Yasser El Ramayans having his photo with and all smiles with Donald Trump out on the golf course last weekend no way but do I like what how he's bought into the atmosphere and the culture of Newcastle United? And you see um, the fantastic pictures from the dressing room after the game to see Al Ramayan and, and all uh, Jamie Rubin, Amanda and Murdad take part in them photos after the game. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Um, the investment's going to be there for a, a sustained period of time for years to come. And they're doing it the right way they're going about their business the right way so you do have to separate i think which which can be difficult at times i accept 
But again, the bar was set so low from the previous owner, and they're they're doing all the right things, footballing wise. Football, it is important, though, isn't it, to you know to keep talking about these issues, and a lot of people watching, listening, will say, oh, you know, well, Anthony Joshua's fighting there in a few weeks' time, but the boxing does get criticism, the F one does get criticism. It's not just Newcastle United, and while you know, I I I have said, and I, I do continue to say, Newcastle United fans shouldn't be responsible, um, you know, on it shouldn't be on them to lead the charge. To say no, we don't want this ownership because of what the baggage that comes with it, you know. Because Newcastle fans don't have control over who owns their club, they don't have, didn't have control over Mike Ashley, don't have control over the current ownership, um, you know. And there's changes elsewhere in society that need to be, that you know, the government, you know, everyone. There's bigger players in the game, um, in society as a whole that should be leading the charge, um. But it is a difficult, it's a difficult question, isn't it? You know, it's important though to address those issues that do crop up and not just brush them aside, like you say, by saying, "Well, we're just here to concentrate on the football." Yeah, and at, at, at the same time, on on the flip to, to counter your point, there, I suppose we do want these owners. You you can't hide behind it. Like we do want them. It's 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 they've been fantastic. Um, they've been great, and look, we only need to see just how mighty PIF, PIF's investment can be with the with the golf. Like just throw the the money being thrown around um, to take on the PGA and this live golf thing. It, it's it's astronomical. It, it it really is. But I mean, we might have seen a bit of that without financial fair play in football now. If if this would have been round Abramovich's time and whatnot, but it is what it is. I mean, in terms of scoring-wise, personally, what they've done to the, in and around the area, um, what they've done with the women's team, um, just warms my heart so much as a big supporter of them over the past few years. Um, the club are taking back responsibility for, for the women's team now, uh, away from the foundation. So that's that's exciting times for them. And look, the proofs in the pudding, the results on the on the pitch since January have been amazing. The players we've signed, Kieran Trippier, Bruno, amazing. And that wouldn't have happened without them. So I'm going to go. It's sort of, again, you have to be mindful of the fact and and we still need to have these conversations surrounding the ownership. But I'm personally, I'm still very happy with them. I love them. I think they're great. But so... It's going to be in the 80s. I reckon a nice 82, something like that. I think there's a really interesting point that you made there, um, that Newcastle United fans, they do want this ownership. You know, mm. They want owners who want to win things, that don't just want to survive in the Premier League, and that's it. And, uh, but I, I also do believe as well that had a, a group come in that had half of what this group have got, you know, Newcastle United fans still would have been happy as long as there was a, a plan and ambition to develop and grow the club. It just happened to be <laughs> that it is the richest club, of, uh, the richest group in the world to take over Newcastle United, so to speak. Um, and that's just Newcastle's look, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you would have had, say, for instance, the Rubens come in, hundred percent bid for them on them on their own because they have the finance power to do that, don't they? Um, and they themselves have got massive investments in the area with and, and around the country with in particular with the race courses. Um so 
yes, there is that, but it and the celebrations on Takeover Night to add to your point were about getting rid of Mike Ashley, not because we were taken over by PIA hmm. majority. So, but they followed that in with buying into the culture, as we said before, and they've endeared themselves greatly to 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 the Geordie faithful, and long may that continue. So. There's a plan in place. There's a structure starting to become in place, which can only bode well for the long-term success of the club. 100% fingers crossed to you guys watching live. Do drop into the comments and out of 100, how much do you approve of your club's ownership overall? Number three, what level out of 100, Sam, do you believe your club shows? Bit of a difficult one to mark out of 100, I think. Um, I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the ambition that you are expecting from Newcastle United. Now they've got owners who do want to do more than just make up the numbers. Top ten in the cup run, short term. Let, let... If, if 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 they don't get top ten this new season, is that is that a failure? Do you think? Hmm, maybe considering where we finished. Last season, after giving everyone else a four-month head start, there's an argument to say that. Um, will I be distraught? No, because it's 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 a long-term, it's a long-term project, and it, it, it could be seen as a bit of failure. Possibly, you could have that argument. Is Kieran Trippier come to Newcastle to finish twelfth and thirteenth? No. Has Bruno come to Newcastle? Has Sven Botman come to Newcastle? To, to finish 13th and 14th. Of course they haven't. Sven Botman's one of the most highly touted young centre-backs in world football, and we saw that when he played on uh, on Saturday, absolutely Rolls-Royce of a centre-back. But it, it could be seen as a failure if we don't finish top 10 this season. We've got Sean here on uh, Facebook saying he wants a top eight this season and a cup run and build on that. For me, I, I know I would take... Uh, finishing kind of top of that mid-table, you know, 11, 12, 13th. I know it's not the, the, you know, the stars and it's it's not the Hollywood script, you know, it's not what everyone is maybe hoping for. You know, what I'm hoping for would be a top four finish, Premier League title. That's, you know, you know, that's what you would hope for. But being realistic, I think finishing, you know, comfortably mid-table, anything else uh, in terms of position would be a bonus, I think. Having a decent cup run, really giving the cups a, a good try, maybe hopefully getting to it to a final of if one of them would 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 suit me because I think it is a slow and steady build. Now, you know, yes, they spent a lot of money, uh, so you know we don't exactly know what they're aiming for this season. And and like you say, there may be a point of these players have come in not to finish eleventh, twelfth. You know, the, the aim has to be maybe Europa League football. Conference League's a possibility now, isn't it, um, as well? So I wouldn't be... Ki- it, it's a tricky one because after what we've experienced over the past few years, it still does feel a bit dirty to say, well, we must finish top half and have a good cup run. That it, it's, it's, it's still like a bit, well, hold your horses, it wasn't that long, you know, when we were, again, struggling around for loan deals, but... There's some if we can add properly. If for me, if we don't finish top ten, that says to me we haven't got a good backup striker in place, and Wilson's got injured. 
that that that's what would happen for me if we don't finish top ten. That I think that's what would have happened. So it's important. There's still you know a good month to go. Well, less than a month now. Obviously, started August, but there's plenty of time left in the transfer window to get the two that we need. Um, if if we can, you know, start the league campaign without giving everyone a, a four month head start, that'd be lovely. There's not that big a gap from where we were the last couple of seasons to the top ten. So for me, with this investment that we've had now, and we've got some good, genuine competition for places in that squad, not everywhere, as we know, but top ten and a cup run, top eight sounds about right to me. Good quarter final, sneak a semi final in there, and then who knows what could happen. But yeah, it, it's a long term thing. But the ambition is there, and the ambition is there long term. So I'm really happy with the way we're going. Um, if it doesn't happen this season, it's going to happen in a couple of years. I'm quite confident about that. So um, yeah, it, it, it's in the 90s for me. I'd go 90 out of 100, to be honest. I'm really pleased with the ambition they're showing. Who would have thought Kieran Trippier, one of the best right-backs England have, would sign for us in January? That's incredible. Mm. There's lots of different elements into, into, I think, answering this question. David Webster here on Facebook says, spot on, Andrew. Spot on, Andrew. It's not usually usual that I get a, a nice comment like that. So thank you, David. He says, 12th of the cup run will be a great season for Newcastle. We have to walk before we can run. And for me, that is the key point there that David's made, that we have to walk before we can run. We have to go back to remembering where we were and not you know, not concentrating on the past, but just taking it slow and steady. Because I think sometimes if you have really lofty ambitions, let's say a top eight, and it doesn't happen, then you're so disappointed. But sometimes you can shoot for the stars too early, uh, if that makes sense. You can, but to that point... 12th in a cup run, isn't that what we had under Steve Bruce? Yes, but maybe they win the cup run. And 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 it wasn't all brilliant, was it, under Steve Bruce? There was bad runs of And it was a very easy three. cup run, let's face it. It was. And, you know, they were, I mean, they were knocked out by Brentford in embarrassing fashion. They had that awful run of form. Whereas I think the difference for me would be to not to expect too much, but also to expect more than, you know, just surviving. And I get, again, I understand that people listening and watching this will be saying, well, look, we've spent this money. We've got these owners in. We had a brilliant end to last season. We need to be, we need to be doing more than that. But I just go back to the point that this is laying the foundations down for what's to come, you know, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in maybe two, three seasons. We've just got to be, in my view, a little bit realistic because, you know, there's a lot of good teams above Newcastle and, that brilliant run of form they had last season, it's that old thing, a purple patch, you know. You know, we've seen players have purple patches. Joe Willock, for instance, brilliant when he first arrived, didn't quite hit the highs of highs of that season when he when he signed permanently. So it, it's difficult to, I think, base the expectation and base the um, the levels of ambition in terms of a, a league finish to predict where they're going to finish based on form of last season because Form is, I mean, you you can't predict form. No, but I think all we want to see is, in, uh, as supporters is progression. So the natural progression for this squad now would be top 10. So I I would be... I would be a tinge disappointed if we didn't get top 10. It wouldn't be the end of the world. I wouldn't be absolutely fuming. I'm not going to lie, but 
we just want to see progression. And we've seen that on the pitch in terms of the style of play. The team has an identity now. I mean, again, not to read too much in pre-season, but the first half against Bilbao Saturday was some of the loveliest football I've ever seen Newcastle play in years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we, I think just progression, even if that's just from 11th to 10th, that's progression. That, that that can be as steady progression as you want, but as long as we're going in the right direction, I think pretty much all fans, Newcastle fans, will be happy, happily content with that. I think in terms of ambition off the pitch, I, I would rank it high eighties. You mentioned Kieran Trippier coming in. I mean, that's a fantastic signing for Embotman, one of the the best young players in Europe. Bruno Gomeresh, you know that they, they really are showing. A level of ambition unheard of on Tyneside since probably the Sir John Hall era. And it is great to see. So in terms of transfers and the players have signed in and, and the players that they're, they're hoping to sign, bringing in Dan Ashworth, bringing in Darren Eno's. I mean, you know, we, we were concentrating here on, on, on transfers, but two massive appointments. I mean, two people with a fantastic track record, two people at the top of their game and they've gone out They've got them, bringing them in. And that boardroom now, you know, with with Jim Rubin's got a bit of experience, you know, Amanda Stavely, the PIF, got all that business experience. And then you've got the football side of things where Downhills can grow things commercially. Dan Ashworth can lay the, the path for the youth uh, players. He can, you know, sc- help scout players. He can, you know, he's got those relationships where he can pick up the phone and help make a deal happen a bit quicker. It's that is the kind of ambition, the off the pitch ambition for me, is what is really getting my, me as a Newcastle United fan excited because it's all good bringing in half decent players, having a half decent manager, but I think what Newcastle have really lacked more than anything is having that structure. You know, Lee Charney was doing everything, but here we have in Newcastle badly, but he was doing everything. You know, which probably didn't help. Um, that at all. Here we have two, three, four people in place doing separate things and playing to their strengths, which is all just going to make it a rounded approach Newcastle to to hit the highs in the years to come. Yeah, Ashworth was huge and it seems like, again, I know I'm flippant when I say we're, you know, we're being run like a football club, but can't underestimate just how important that is and, and things behind the scenes again, slow build, like this is the last year, the last season of Fun 88. So there's a big commercial deal to be had for the shirts. We've got the the sleeve sponsor, which is a lot more lucrative than the previous ones. So again, things behind the scenes are, are really building nicely and, and steadily and sustainably. So the, the, everything on every aspect, obviously the training ground scene improvement, all right, whilst it's just kind of, sticking plasters on the wound sort of thing for now a new training base will eventually be found and and that will be built sooner rather than later as well so it it's it, it's all looking up again the bar was set low but it, it it is exciting times and everything is everyone seems to be pulling in the right direction now and yeah when dan ashworth that signing was made that that's huge because the job he's done his track record his cv is absolutely superb so to have him on board is not like a security blanket but we've got people there with genuine football know-how 
which we haven't had for a long time. So again, to you guys watching live, do drop out of 100 your thoughts on what level of ambition you believe Newcastle United are showing. I'm going to move the questions around slightly here, Sam, because I think after having that conversation about where we think Newcastle are aiming to finish in the new season, I'm going to dive straight into uh, what was question number five. And how much do you, how much trust do you place in the manager and coaching staff to achieve success for the club? You can't underestimate just how great of a job Eddie Howe's done so far. Um, again, that's another thing that seems to be evolving, and it and it's an evolution, not a revolution, because you can see guys like Derek Wright, who I had the privilege to talk to the other week, thirty-eight years service, he's now surrendered the reins and and allowed a more youthful. Um, presence to be to be done in that department physiotherapy and sports science and and all that and Simon Smith as well has recently left the goalkeeping uh, coaching staff so there's there's an evolution happening within the coaching team um Eddie House press conferences are genuinely interesting to listen to as opposed to the previous managers which was duller than dishwater and riddled with um whoopsie daisy moments but um yeah the way we go about things now graham jones is still in the stands analyzing and um passing on info to to the men on the ground jason tindall and um eddie howe who's again the culture they're breeding there is absolutely brilliant so ironically eddie howe wasn't my first choice but I'm really glad he's here now because he's, he had so he came into this job with something to prove as well. He he burst onto the scene early with Bournemouth. Obviously, did a tremendous job there after his stint, his brief stint away at Burnley. But this was a big, big job for him because this was going to be the proof in the pudding. Is he going to fulfil his potential? Because he was the next big thing in English management, future England manager. He was going to do this. He was going to do that, and then a setback with with the relegation at Bournemouth. He's coming here with something to prove. He had he, he went away for a season, didn't just leap into the first job that came calling. He would have easily have gone up to Celtic and, and won that division by now. But he's by his time, he's regrouped. And is 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 the way he carries himself, his presence is absolutely fantastic. So I have I'm fully behind him. I have all the faith in the world with him despite him not being my original first choice of which now I look completely stupid. Are we going for 100 then? You can never go 100 in football because at the end of the day, we could have a terrible start to the season <laughs> and it could all go very wrong. But that's dep- again, that's dependent on the people above Eddie Howe, isn't it? Can they get two deals over the line or, or three deals over the line to, to improve the squad? But in terms of the way the atmosphere appears to be in the camp from the content the the club were pushing out during pre-season, it seems like a very, very happy ship to be on. So 95, 96 at least, I think he's doing an absolutely wonderful job and long may it continue. Mm, I think a lot of people will go for a very high number. So once again, if you're watching live, do drop out of 100 how confident you are in Eddie Howe and staff to achieve success at Newcastle United. We have Barry Sloan here saying just what Eddie Howe has done with Joe Linton shows 
what he's all about. We've got Jeff Smith here saying, I'd like Eddie to stay for a substantial amount of time to develop himself as a manager, uh, given the plan he's rolled out and developing the players we've uh, had. Uh, we've got Sean here saying, Eddie will take us forward. He's a young manager and we play the best football we have in a while and got players we didn't think in. Um, again, talks about Joel Linson. For me, I've said this on, on previous episodes of the podcast. I don't think this club and the attention on the manager or the expectation on the manager from the hierarchy will be the same as we've seen in other clubs where there's been a big takeover. You know, Man is stably coming out and saying, I hope Eddie Howe can be our Sir Alex Ferguson. That's a big, bold statement. She's not just said that kind of, I would hope not, just kind of off, off, you know, a passing comment. You know, that's said with the general belief, a genuine belief and hope that he can achieve success. That being said, though, Sam, we have talked about where Newcastle United might aim to finish next season and then beyond. If Newcastle, you know, do finish, let's say, 15th, 16th this season, they have a horrid time, injuries, what have you. You know, is is there is there a danger that Eddie Howe could actually find himself under pressure if it doesn't go swimmingly if he, say, loses, you know, seven out of nine games at some point in the new season? Do you then fear that actually, given the attention on the club, given PIF want to be the best at everything, that they might then come a stage where Eddie Howe and his future is is considered? Very pessimistic turn of events, isn't it? Um, but I mean, okay, the point's valid. Yeah, I think the only way he comes under pressure this season is if we find ourselves in the position when he took over. If we're languishing at the bottom of the league and we looked all but doomed, that's the only way. Other than that, I think he gets this season no matter what. Um, so I mean, look, you've only got to see what he's done in and around that squad, like the the points in the comments there about Joe Linton. This time last year, if you'd have said Emil Kraft signing a one-year extension, everyone would have had their head in their hands. But look at what he's done. He's turned him around and, we, and he's a genuine... I mean, it's almost harsh calling him a backup to Kieran Trippier now, but that's what he is. But he, he's been fantastic. And, and the Joe Linton transformation, to see him have such a confidence and a swagger about himself now is absolutely heartwarming to see, for one. And it's just... He's an absolute beast all of a sudden. So, mm. Eddie Howe gets this season pretty much no matter what happens, in my opinion, unless it's a complete disaster like we had at the start of last season. What I will say there to, to my question, you call it pessimistic. I think we've got to ask the, the tough questions. It has yeah, been spoken I mean, about as well, you know, in other media outlets. For me personally, I think I, I've got full confidence. Like you, I'm not going to go 100. But I just think, anyhow, he's done such a good job. He's got the squad together. They've bought into everything that him and his staff have have started here. They look so fit. I mean, compared to last season, the start of last season, they look so fit and raring to go. Everybody looks bigger and better built and like they've all been in the gym. Anyhow included, looks like he's been uh, bench pressing. I'm not even going to throw a number in, but he looks like he's been to the gym as well. Everyone just looks fit, raring to go. Look, look, they've had a brilliant preseason. The content they've been putting out on social media, as you've mentioned there, Sam, it just looks like the best job in the world. These players look yeah. like they really want to be at Newcastle United. They look happy. You know, they look like they're having 
uh, you know, great banter. Everyone's buying into the project. Of course, it is a results-driven business, but I have got full confidence. I'm going to go in 95, 96. A few people have gone for that as well in the comments. That That's my level of um, trust in Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, and the rest of the staff to achieve success for the club. I suppose it just goes back to, again, how do you define success? I mean... Eddie Howe's Newcastle last season was a tremendous success. I mean, I was stood outside Molyneux in October going, right, well, that's it. We're done. Derby's back next season and we're in the championship and we're finished. And then, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, the takeover happens and life is great again. So defining success is an interesting one because, as the previous question stated, top eight and a cup run would be tremendous success this season. So, I mean, a happy squad is is a, is a dangerous squad. And you can see, like, Bruno's just been a ray of light in more than one ways on the pitch. Off the pitch, he seems like a fantastic character to have around. And on the flip side, you have the characters like Jamal Sells and Matt Ritchie and John Joe Shelvis, who have, who have been there during the real dark, dark, dark days, but still have a commanding influence in the dressing room. Matt Ritchie on Saturday was barking orders left, right and centre when the, the press had dropped, when Bill Barry were getting on top in that second half. Um, whether he stays or whether he goes, he's been a tremendous servant to Newcastle United and will forever be fondly looked upon uh, in the North East. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like a tremendous blend, which is why, to go back to the original um, points about like James Madison and things like that, will he fit into the squad with his some of his character traits? I'm not convinced. It's going to be an interesting one. We've got a few comments here on Eddie Howe. Jeff Smith says, you shouldn't doubt or be pessimistic about Eddie. He's proved himself. He's blown European managers out of the water for what he's achieved. We've got Roger Cook here saying um, that's a question on 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 things going wrong was a valid one, but he can't see his finishing that low. Um, we've got Kurt here saying, always rated Eddie Howe, wanted him here since before the Rafa appointment, have all the faith that he can bring success to the club with the help of the owners and board. So Eddie Howe definitely getting the big numbers. We've got Roger out there, Adam, that would put 93% trust in Eddie Howe and the coaching staff to achieve success for the club. Next question then, Sam, we're going to go with out of 100 again. How happy are you with your club's transfer business? And again, to those watching, get involved. Out of 100, how happy are you with Newcastle United's transfer business so far? I mean, this this one's going to be slightly lower because there's gaps to fill, but only slightly because let's compare it from other recent years. It was very, very rare we'd have this much business done so early. We'd be scrapping around towards the end of the window trying to get deals done um Sven Botman is a fantastic signing he he obviously most supporters have got their first proper look of him at the weekend and just looks like not bored but like it just doesn't seem to again not not in, not be interested but he's so casual and so laid back but he's clever He's mm. very, very clever. There was a, there was a, there was a, a long ball punted forward in the uh, in the first half, and he 
he had to turn and twist to run back toward his own goal. And he had a, I think it was Williams that was chasing him down. And he just brought it down out of the air. And he, he wasn't even really looking at it. And I just thought, that is a touch and a half. He just yeah. looks, he looks, I said this after the game, he looks like he's worth every single penny that Newcastle have paid for him. I mean, I, I got carried away a bit. Well, not too carried away because he's continuing to prove me right. But early on into to Bruno's first few appearances, I said he could be the best midfielder I've ever seen play for Newcastle. And like again, I don't want to like disrespect what's happened with like Rob Lee and, and whatever, but he he might be. He, he's he's not proving me, he's not proving me wrong. So um with Botman, again, I don't want to get too over hyped hyped with uh, the preseason form or, or whatever. Um, but he just looks so casual and so clever. He's got complete awareness of what was happening around him and then just lolloping around and then when a ball comes to him to try and go over the top or he's just nope cut it off dispatched a beautiful 30-yard pass he's like Florian Lejeune but 10 times better and I loved Florian Lejeune I thought Lejeune was fantastic but Botman looks different gravy and and again like when we were linked with him in January I said uh, elsewhere that he could be our Vincent company for years to come and we're starting to build a spine of the team and I think I was right on that one. He looks phenomenal. So as, as far as transfer business goes, I think that's 100 out of 100 for that particular deal. Um, elsewhere, the, the target deal, sort of a no-brainer, wasn't it? The way he played at the end of last season. Um, my personal feelings was that if he didn't sign, it wasn't the end of the world. But I'm, I was definitely not against it. Um, Nick Pope, 10 million. For an England international goalkeeper who, if he starts this season better than Jordan Pickford, may well be starting for England in the World Cup in November. Who knows? Um, that seems a bit of a snip. It's just them two big gaps, isn't there? Mm, On the wing. I think we've got John here saying transfers, I'd say 60 so far this summer. We need a right winger. And a striker still, squad looks weak in those areas. And I think, as I said before, I think a lot of people's answers will be different come the end of uh, the transfer window if Newcastle haven't signed at least in one of those positions. And for me, it has to be a striker. Now, if they don't manage to sign a winger, it's not the end of the world because you have Mickey, you have Ryan Fraser, you have Jacob Murphy. Are they going to be here in the years to come when Newcastle are hopefully battling Champions League football? No, but right now it is the slow and steady build. That's the map target signing. You know, it's 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 bringing someone in who's at a level that's going to get you to that next level. And when you do, they unfortunately then move on. But he's a modern day Wayne Bridge. Yes, he is. He is. Yes, and um, I think I'm very happy with that signing. I just, I just think the, the, the everyone thinks everyone knows they need a striker, but you you look out there and you. It, I struggle to really come up with a realistic name who Newcastle could bring in, not just as an extra body, because you don't really want that. You want someone that pushes Callum Wilson. Yeah. You don't want someone who is there, a bit like Chris Wood is, to fill in when Callum Wilson isn't fit or off form. You want someone who's either better than Callum Wilson or more certainly on his level and pushes him to become better. Yeah, it has to be someone better. Otherwise, again, there's not that progress. Um, the Chris Wood de- uh, deal, I will always defend because for that time, 
it was necessary and we were it, things were looking really bad so i will defend that deal that they did in january forever and a day because it strengthened us it weakened burnley and although chris wood didn't score eight ten goals or whatever the two goals he did score were very important and it wasn't like days of old where you'd stick Dwight Gale, Hosselu, Joe Linton up top and they'd be completely isolated. It wasn't like that with Chris Wood. He did hold the ball up and bring people into play. It didn't always click, but, you know, he had to hit the ground running. He wasn't afforded that luxury of taking his time, being introduced to the team, introduced to the squad like Bruno was. And I'm not comparing them on levels either before people get carried away at me. But, you know... Now we need to look at a sign in that, again, as you say, eclipses Callum Wilson's ability. If Wilson stayed fit, he'd get 15 goals in this team. I've no doubt about that. But it needs to be someone with the right profile, the right age. I would have absolutely loved Alexander Isaac. Huge fan of him. I, I wrote, when the, the news of the takeover first broke in 2020, I did an article on uh, for Newcastle Fans TV about sort of realistic post-takeover signings, and he was my number one, and that, that was two years ago. Um, I think he's an awesome striker. Um, quiet-ish season last season, but... I, I was going to say, he didn't have the best of numbers, but I guess that's not... It doesn't always tell you everything about a, a player's ability, but... No. You look around, and we've, we had their comment um, at, at from... Who was it from? From Richard there, saying, why is it taking so long to buy a striker? And I, I genuinely do believe is because there's not that many realistic options out there. I mean, we know uh, Calvin Lewin was linked, but yeah, I do think you look at his record, injury record, is it is it one where you, you say he's going to play most games in a season? Arguably not. Um, he's a good striker, but again, are Everton really going to be up for selling him after they've sold Richarlison? You know, I know they need to get funds in, but it's not one you can see happening. You've got uh, Sapata, who obviously was, was at St James Park last weekend, and he, he looked decent. But again, he's coming towards the end of his career. He's thirty-one. Yeah, like this is when you know you're getting old. When like like Nick Pope's thirty, and like when we were linked with Thorgan Hazard, he's approaching thirty. When did that happen? He was he will always be a a, a bright twenty-four year old with bags of potential for me. Not nearly thirty, but it, it, the attacking players take the longest to sign because there's always massive competition for them. They always cost more because they win your games. It, it, it's so difficult to to bring in real top, top, top players at that end of the pitch, isn't it? So in terms of it taking that long, though, I mean, normally we've only bought one, maybe two in by now. So it, it, it's there's still plenty of time. But mm. it, it, it's absolutely correct that we do need a new striker and a winger as well. And and it's a big, big, big season for Miggy Almiron as well because, all right, his pre-season form has been great, but he needs to transfer that now to the Premier League. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. This is his year. I hope he does because it's getting to the point now where do you A, sell him or B, offer him a new deal? It's a big question, isn't it? I, I'm confident he's going to do it, but that, I don't think that resolves the need for firepower. What I do think is going to happen, though, is we get closer to that window. There are, there'll be a lot of clubs who think they've seen Newcastle coming. Newcastle, thankfully, have done the right thing and gone, right, we're not paying that. We'll walk away. You know, both sides are gambling a little bit, but I, I do think 
we'll start seeing selling clubs saying, okay, yeah, okay, we'll accept that deal you had on the table a few months back. I do think as well, players in the championship, you know, uh, Dennis at Watford, he, he lined up last night. He's got a decent enough record in the Premier League. You know, are, are there teams uh, with with Premier League players in the championship who you think might also start to just maybe think, okay, maybe we'll, we'll cash in now? Maybe, but Corne's the other one as well. I really want another Burnley player. <laughs> no disrespect to Burnley, but it's getting a bit weary, isn't it? We seem to have had their better players, but... I mean, it, it's an option. And then Brozier as well as a loan deal to be had there, perhaps. Or, I mean, Chelsea want to, to sell a few. And I think Timo Werner on loan would be awesome, but I just can't see how he doesn't go back to Germany. Um, he's he's much maligned, but I, I think he's still got bundles of uh, potential and the, the ability is there. Uh, I think he'd be a fantastic signing, whether that's on loan or, or, or whatever. But Chelsea, there's maybe something to exploit there. Hudson Odoi, what do you do? He would seem to fit the profile Newcastle go after uh, the English side of things. Um, it, it's a tricky one, and a lot of these deals for the attacking players, especially loans as well, they'll they'll go down to the wire because that's mm. just what happens with with this type of market. We've got Al uh, Stapleton here on YouTube saying, does it have to be someone who is better than Wilson or a younger prospect with a higher ceiling that can learn from him slash his squad and yet still turn up on the day? You know, that is, that, that's difficult to find, isn't it? And we also are relying on Callum Wilson to get through a full season. His numbers don't suggest he can do that. And I think it's one thing having a younger striker coming in and saying, well, here's Callum Wilson, top-class Premier League striker, Go and learn from him. That's one thing. But then go and actually, whether he's now out for the next six weeks, go and do the job he was doing. That's a total different ball game if you're a 19, 20 year old um, to, to 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 do. Wolves did the same thing with Fabio Silva, and now they've just chucked him out on loan. Oh, well, there you go. Can you learn off Jimenez? Oh, Jimenez is injured. Away you go. And and Fabio Silva had a real lofty reputation as a wonder kid, didn't he? And now he's he's gone out on loan so it's 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 a tricky one it's an absolute minefield that top end of the pitch it, it's where games and and um, lofty ambitions can be won or lost so it, it, that's the reason why it's taking so long but for me the dream would be alexander isaac I, I think he'd be our number nine for years and years to come once once wilson's past his prime but if wilson stays fit we're in business there's no mm. doubt about it I agree with that. Fingers crossed he can. So go on then out of 100, just for minus of your your score for the transfer business so far. So I'm going to go 78 um, just because there's two lot. You would, you would have hoped they would have filled one of them two spaces before Forest, which is now increasingly looking unlikely. But um, mm-hmm. the business, the, the deals they have done have been fantastic in particular Sven Botman. It was very telling at the start of the window when Villa signed Diego Carlos from Sevilla that we just let that deal go by, even though it was cheaper. Because well, that's Botman one of the things main. that's one of the things I've I've enjoyed about Newcastle's approach to this summer window. They had the top two targets in Botman and Atekier. They stuck with them. Obviously one's gone to PSG, one's arrived. But as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, there's been no scattergun approach. There's been no panic. They've clearly got a list of A, B, C, D, you know, and they're working through it because it would be easy just to check the checkbook at it. 
and go and sign, you know, X, Y, Z, someone who doesn't fit into Eddie Howe's uh, system, doesn't doesn't have that attitude that Eddie Howe clearly likes among his players, but they haven't. They're working in unison. They're working to a plan. I don't think we'll see them panic towards the end of the window at all, even if they haven't got another striker in. I think we'll see a calm and collective approach because throwing money at it, as we've seen at Leicester, as we've seen at other clubs in the Premier League, it just doesn't work, you know. And down the road, as we're now seeing at Leicester, you know, you will end up paying for it because you have to, if you chuck money at things, you have to have success. So I think we'll see, as I say there, a calm approach to the end of the window. And I do think we will get a striker in and yeah. we might go down to the wire. Another positive, quickly, is the outgoings. Yes. Are we having, yeah, of course, getting Dwight Gale out, you know. Kieran uh, Clark. Jeff Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick. Isaac Hayden, which I don't want to label him the same as the, the others because I think Hayden still had something to give and he's still a very, very good player. And he came on our podcast the other week. So uh, love you, Isaac. So it, he was a fantastic player and I would put him in the category more so alongside the Matt Riches of this world than I would do the others. Mm. But the fact is, he didn't fit the system Eddie Howe wanted to play. He needed to go and he has done. So credit to Ashworth. We finished the transfer question on a positive, but John has asked this point and I'm going to ask it. John says, have we realistically improved our team though? Botman plays where Byrne plays. Byrne was outstanding last season. Target is back, deservedly so, and Pope comes in and he doesn't think he's any better than Dubravka. He's not convinced we are better yet until we fill those weak areas. Thoughts? Good point. Good point. Botman is better than Byrne. And it's it, it, it's that um, point as well previous that Botman has a higher ceiling than Dan Byrne as well. Dan Byrne's Double great. Love Dan, yeah, love Dan Byrne. Brilliant. Not a bad word to say about him. And he was fantastic um, Friday night as well with Cher. That's one of the big dilemmas on Saturday. Who's going to start? Who's the centre-back pairing going to be? Because all four played well across them last uh, friendlies at the weekend. Um, we have improved our squad. I know... Bruno was probably brought in earlier than expected because he became available. And we've been spoiled for six months that we had six months bonus of Bruno, which which was lovely. So to see Target get a full season, Bruno get a full season, Joe Linton get a full season in midfield, the squad, if you look from where we were 12 months ago, we've improved massively. To finish off on this question, then David says, I'm going to give transfer business an 80. So far, I think a striker will come through the door, someone better than Wood, and it was a younger version of Wilson. So we'll see how that one goes. And the next question is, how much of an emotional connection, again, out of 100, do you feel with the existing squad? It's a very interesting question because we've just listed a few players there who've gone out the door, who've been here for a long time, and I think Newcastle fans, given how the club was run under Mike Ashley, the constant battling against relegation, felt a big emotional you know, connection with the likes of Isaac Hayden, Kieran Clark, because they'd been at the club so long. I mean, Matt Ritchie's still here, and I, I, I'm a big fan of, of the way he shouts and controls the game and his passion and the standard he sets. But we are starting to see, and this is what comes with progression and a, and a change in ambition and with a plan, we're starting to see that old spine, that old guard be chipped away and 
I think it'll take a little bit of time to get that same connection with the new players. Although we are seeing it with Bruno, who's brought into the culture, but I don't know if every player comes in will have that same instant, you know, click with the with the fan base. Yeah. Um they don't need to. Not all of them need to have that click with the fan base so long as they're doing the business on the pitch. But the reason why I think the reasons you just uh, highlighted there was because the squad didn't evolve anywhere near quick enough over the past five years. Um, look, Dwight Gale got us out of the championship. Would we have done that without him? Probably not. Great signing for that time. Should have been moved on sooner. The Rondon Gale swap deal at that again at that time looked an absolute no brainer to make that permanent. Kieran Clark, fantastic. Just at the back end of the the final full season under Bruce, just seemed to never really recover after that horror show at Brighton, um, and didn't look the didn't look the same player since. But still had a, a few very very good years. Isaac Hayden, absolute warrior. Never going to have a bad word to say about him. Played wherever. Played about four or five different positions uh, for Steve Bruce uh, for Newcastle United. So that was fantastic. He was fantastic, and you know. He's going to have a cracking career ahead of him still because he's still a good age. Um, the fact is we have got him out the door, which is a positive. So we're not left with four or five Henry Saives. So the emotional connection I'll always have with the squad, to be honest. Um, I, I, you know, I, I wish these guys all the best because... They were there at the dark, like some real dark points for the club when things were looking really bleak. I know we had Rafa at the club for, for some of that, but that was always clouded by will he go, will he stay, will he go, will he stay? Is he going to get backed? No. Well, there you go, he's gone. So, And then under Steve Bruce, where we had to watch some pretty horrific football for, you know, despite getting the odd good result on paper. So... I have all the love and respect for them in the world and, and thank you for your service or whatnot. But again, like you say, it, it's evolution, maybe a tinge of revolution as well with, with the new uh, embarrassment of riches we've got. The, the, the emotional connection with Bruno and Joe Linton, amazing. What a transformation, what character. Who would have thought Joe Linton would A, have his own song, B, still be here after failing miserably for the first two years of his Newcastle career. And to just look a guy transformed. I've mm. so much respect for, for that guy and how he's done it. Um, I always had a tinge, and I'm not saying I've told you so, because every single one of us to a man, everyone watching this, listening to this, has slagged off and criticised Joe Linton at some point in the past few years. But I always felt that there might have been like a John Dahl Thomason about him, that if he did leave, he could have gone on to be somewhat good. But... We've got him that, when That's right. I, I thought you were about to claim, as John Gibson does quite often on this podcast, that um, you you foresaw Joel Linton no. becoming a Patrick Vieira and Forza type. So I'm glad no, you were done not that at all. Way. Not at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're Steve Bruce, you must be kicking yourself because he played that many players out of position. You would have thought he would have stumbled across that before now. It's it's interesting you mentioned there, you know, Joel Linton. I think there's a real happiness that it's it's worked out. Uh, I think there's, a, there's there's certain players in that squad. It, as as Newcastle fans, as as Newcastle fan, I'd really like to see it work out for. So Jacob Murphy, for example, 
you know, he's a fellow Newcastle United fan. If he I would finish. love it. Yeah, I would absolutely love it in the words of Kevin Keegan for him to find form, to find that goal-scoring touch, to see one of them delicate little chips actually go into the back of the net and just see him progress as a Premier League player. Um, and sometimes that emotion and desire to see that does sometimes overshadow probably the reality of what is going to happen. But I know there are certain players in that squad which I think you do have a, an emotional attachment to a bit more. Mainly down to sometimes the passion. You know, Callum Wilson is another one I think fans absolutely love and he's proper cheeky and I think fans enjoy that. Gumaresh, we've mentioned, seems to be... Alan St. Maximum. And, well, he's the interesting one, isn't it? You know, it's again, you have to maybe define emotional because it doesn't always mean, you know, a, a happy emotion. Sometimes it can probably mean a bit of a an angry and volatile in, in some cases. And I think with St. Maximum, there's a lot of people who get frustrated with him. Again, though, you are just, I think everyone, even those who are his, his biggest critic, would love him to have the season of his life, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd, I will always defend Alan St. Maximin. I'd, I'd, I get the frustration side of things, but that's what you get with that type of player. It was the same with Ben Arthur. I mean, people have sort of rose-tinted glasses when it comes to memories of players gone by, but we used to have the same frustrations with Ben Arthur. We used to have the same frustrations with Lauren Robert, David Ginler, and all these attacking flair players who were just absolutely awe-inspiring on their day. And then it doesn't always come off and work for them, but that's what you get with that type of player. At the end of the day, Maxi can win a game on his own in, a, in an instant in the blink of an eye. So that what he's achieved in a sort of strangled Newcastle United over the past couple of years has been exceptional. So the proof is now going to be, can he kick on and prove what he thinks he is? Hmm. I didn't mention two players actually there with regards to the emotional connection to being a Geordie. Sean Longstaff is another one that I think everyone really would like to see him find that form he first had when he first came into the team. He's he's looked really sharp when Daddy Howe finished the season strong. He's had a good pre-season and he's no longer, I don't think, the question of his backup. I think he's forced himself into that first team picture, even when everyone's fit. So I've been really impressed with him. And of course, the other one is Elliot Anderson. And John asks, do you want to see young Anderson stay in the first team? Again, part of the answer is probably going to come around due to the fact he is a Geordie and he's, you know, he's got family history and the dream of many Newcastle United fans, as it was during the Sir John Hall era, is to have a load of Geordies in the team. It's unrealistic, but if one can come through and become the Geordie Maradona, as Joey Barton has labelled him, then that would just be the absolute dream. In terms of Anderson as a whole, Sam, if he stays, he needs first-team football. If they can't guarantee that, then he has to go on loan because I just fear that you will then stagnate as a youngster getting yeah. two, three minutes here every other week. Learn from your previous mistakes, like your Matty Longstaffs. Although, saying about a Geordie team, we finished with an NE29 midfield on Friday night with the two Longstaffs and Elliot Anderson. So, um, yeah, if a good loan arises, if Shola and Peter Ramage can work their, man uh, work their magic and find them a good championship loan, I, I say let him go and do it and play football at a decent level because a good loan move is worth their weight in gold. Um, from what we hear, you know, it, it seems like that's not going to be the case and he's going to stay in and around the first team this season. 
Eddie Hay might surprise us. He might be on the starting uh, team sheet for, for Saturday. Unlikely, because I think it'll be um, Sean or, or Willock, won't it? But I'm a huge Sean Longstaff fan, always have been. Um, so it's a tricky one. But for me, if, if a good championship loan arises, then you've got to go and let him let him test himself there for a season. So just out of 100 then, your emotional connection to the squad? Uh, it's hard not to get misty-eyed and emotional when, I mean, you look at the end of that Arsenal game, the end of last season, uh, we're all in it together, it would seem, from ownership down to substitute goalkeeper. So, 94. Goodness me, there's not much room for improvement there, is there? You've you've gone out. And maybe and... since I had kids, I've become a soppy so and so. But I I don't know. I I just I just love where we're at at the moment, and and yeah. I don't think anyone would blame you, Sam. I think after all the years under Mike Ashley, and you know everyone that listens to this podcast knows the the emotional state that I got in on takeover night. You know when it when it got announced, trying to trying to do my job and, and not getting carried away with it, and. You know, when Newcastle win a cup, there'll be, you know, oh. there'll be the, there'll be the same issue. So I don't think anyone's blaming you for this emotional and God, positive I'd have to take feeling. Two weeks off work if that happens. <laughs> I think Newcastle might shut down. I have a, a, a regional holiday when Newcastle eventually win a cup. Um, to finish off, then final question of the Newcastle United forum: How do you rate the atmosphere at St James's Park on match day? You were up. Um, for the the two preseason games, you're going to be up for the Forest game, I believe, as well. Yep. Um, well, I think I think the best way to maybe answer this is to say, well, this is what it was like before that Spurs game in October. This is what it was like at that Spurs game, and then we all will talk about games in between. I remember Newcastle beating Burnley, and it was just it, it was an awful game, but it was a party atmosphere. You know, we had the My United game, didn't we, at the end of December. You've got so many you know, moments. The Crystal Palace game, I thought, was really good. The Everton game was feisty. Yeah. The atmosphere was great. And then, of course, you finish off with that game against Arsenal, where for many, it was the best atmosphere they've ever experienced at St. James's Park. It is a cliche to say the 12th man, but St. James's Park is that. And I know... Fans of other clubs will be saying, you know, well, you know, everyone can get a full stadium and the fans will cheer a goal. But there is just something about the power of St. James's Park and what it can do for the team. Massively. I mean, you, I mean, how many Premier League teams or how many teams around the country get 46,000 turn up for a Saturday afternoon friendly? It just doesn't happen. There's, I mean, I know we lost, but we sold out the with the FA Cup third round faux pas as well, didn't we? Which I won't go into. But look, war flags obviously take huge amounts of credit and those uh, guys and girls are just the the life and soul of St. James's Park now. The, the, the Tottenham game will stay with me forever. It's the most amazing 3-2 defeat I think I, I've ever witnessed and ever will. Um, the, the noise... Um, when we went one nil up after three minutes, just will stay with me forever. And I think that was it was it was louder than when I was there for the five one against the, Sunderland. The, the scenes, I mean, that 
in 5 1 was, was fantastic. But the scenes before that game as well, I mean, walking up to the oh, ground, carnival. the Jimmy Neal, you know, Big River um, lyrics, and then Al Romani being on the screen, Amanda Staverley. I've mentioned it before, but I mean, grown men crying in the stands and hugging. Yeah, I was one of them as well. Yeah. And hugging complete strangers. And it was, it was a moment which I don't think we'll ever see again. It'll be a totally different moment when Newcastle hopefully do finally win some silverware because, you know, that'll be a momentous occasion, but it'll be a different kind of celebration. But that moment, you know, it was just like someone had just opened a, a dam and the water just burst out and it was a relief of, you know, Mike Ashley has gone and this is this is a new era. This is a new dawn. And yeah, I think that moment, if you were at St. James's Park for that Spurs game, that will stay with you forever. It certainly will for me as a Newcastle fan. Yeah, yeah. There's There's been a few moments like that. I was front row at the Gallagher end when Bruno got the last gasp winner against Leicester. So that was lovely. But like the Arsenal game, um, going back to, sorry to name drop again, but going back to when we spoke to Isaac Hayden, he said that was the most incredible atmosphere he's ever witnessed. The guy didn't even play in the game. He was he was sat, sat in the stats, so a testament to Isaac's character, but it, it, it didn't even play in the game. He was sat in the stands and um, it was just absolutely incredible. And it does make the world a difference. I mean, you go back to other things, 22,000 people for a, a, what is essentially a League Two women's game turn up. Incredible. Loads more than the day previous, Watford, Burnley and the Premier League had fewer people there. So St. James's Park is back. I remember a, a few seasons ago, um, it was Steve Bruce's first season. I took my wife up, who who doesn't support Newcastle, but she, she came with me. Her last game before that day, it was the 1-1 draw against Watford. The, the time before she came to St. James's was the 5-1 against Sunderland. And the atmosphere against Watford that day, didn't that we were going 1-0 down in the first minute, but got back for the draw. It was just a shell of its former self and it was it was hollow. It was it was average. It was like it was like a normal football club. Well, I think a lot of people, myself included, you were you were going out of tradition and out of hope that yeah. something would just get better. You were going because it's what you've done for for years and years and years. And fair play to those who said no more, I'm packing it in. And fair play to those who stuck it out. Everyone had their reasons, everyone had a different approach. But it you weren't going to really enjoy it anymore. You were going to see your mates or you're going with your dad or what have you, but you weren't going to enjoy the football because under Mike Ashley, it very much became a question of well, what what is the point? If they're not going to do what they need to do in the boardroom, then what is the point of of turning up yeah. and watching that? Watching it because it wasn't enjoyable. You were wasting your afternoon and it was still costing you. But now the contrast is that, you know, they could build another 40,000 uh, seats if they could on that stadium and you would still have queues to get in because there's just such a demand for tickets and people are just excited and I, and and if actually if Newcastle do have an average season next season people are still going to enjoy it because they know or they, they feel what's to come in the years years ahead that it's not just going to be the same old every single season yeah that and the football is a lot more attractive to watch I mean like, do you see some of the first half stuff we played against Bilbao? Oh, filth. But, um, yeah, it's St. James's Park is back and better than ever. There's no more red and blue tat around 
around the stadium. The stadium looks smart again. Uh, the concourses look proper again. Um, yeah, it's everything's fallen into place in and around St James's Park now. Um, in terms of atmosphere, very, very, very few can even get close to it. I mean, I can't. I mean, I mean, I don't want to get carried away, but can you really give it? Less than what 97, 98? How how can how can you top that atmosphere inside St. James's Park at the moment? How? I mean that is that is the question. Yeah, I mean like you mentioned there, the war flags displays are just they just seem to be outdoing themselves every single week. I mean, Saturday is gonna be very, very special. Can't wait. The stadium announcer dropped a little hint um against Bilbao. Uh, and the, it, it is going to be amazing, and it's going to be amazing throughout the season. Don't take the flags home. Um, it's just going to be special. And they, like you say, play a big part of it. It's, I guess in many ways, the atmosphere and the health from the stands, it, it, it it's like a, it, it sets the bar towards the players. It sets the players a challenge, doesn't it? To say, well, look, we're maintaining this here in the terraces. You go out and maintain it on the pitch, and together... Will soon become an unstoppable force. Yeah, it's working. It's really clicking into place. I mean, to go again to try to go back to that Arsenal game again, but just to hammer home the point, we're absolutely unbeatable that night. Unbeatable. If if anyone would have thought we were the ones going for Champions League that night, it was it was it was an unstoppable force that night. It was absolutely incredible. So to to harbour that atmosphere and players from around Europe will see that and you know that will help want you know make them want to come to Newcastle United and be part of this this project and and the future and the exciting time that hopefully lies ahead so I, I just don't know how you can how you can go about improving that atmosphere and it's incredible that I, I think it's the best in the Premier League by quite a hearty distance well there we go so in 97, I think you said there. be interesting to see what uh, everyone else has to say, but I don't think many people will argue with that very high rating. Sam, thank you for taking part in the big Newcastle United forum. Just before we sign off, just tell our listeners here at the Everything is Black and White podcast and the viewers how they can find your content on Newcastle Fans TV. So Newcastle Fans TV on YouTube. Also, uh, myself and my co-presenter Johnny have a little um, weekly uh, interview chat show called the Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV, which is available on YouTube and as a, an audio podcast as well. So uh, interviews every week. Last week's episode was Derek Wright, the physio. Uh, week before that, Steve Stone. And there's, there's um, previous players like your Isaac Haydens and uh, celebrities such as Robson Green we've had on. So very fortunate. We've done 105 shows now. And tonight we've got a former Lioness on the show. Should be exciting. So do head over to Sam's channel with Newcastle Fans TV and give him a follow. To you guys watching and listening, please remember to like and subscribe through whichever platform you're following us through. Thank you to you guys who've Followed us live and got involved in the comments. Some brilliant interaction there. I'm going to pop the link to the big Newcastle United forum into the Facebook comments, the YouTube comments. Do fill that in. It'll take you five minutes. We just really want to get a feel 
of how you guys are feeling ahead of the new season. I'll pop into the description as well in the podcast channel. Sam, once again, thank you very much for joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast. And to you guys watching and listening, do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news.